Welcome to Pass That Movie with Paul Muad'Dib, Smoke the Bear, and Boy Georgia. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Cast That Movie, Season 2, Episode 1. A lot of changes this season. Uh, first of all, I'm going to be going by my more known name, Paul Muad'Dib, instead of Tom Van Horton. So get used to that, pig fuckers. Uh, also, with changes with this, I have two new co-hosts. Co-hosts. Wow, I can't even talk. It's been a long time since we've done one of these. I got Boy Georgard and Smoke the Bear. Say hello, you two. Hello, you two. Hello. How are you guys? You know. Living the life. Living the life. Living the, life. Living the dream. <laughs> Dreaming and living. All right. Uh, it's better than some places people have been let me put it that way so yes welcome you two um really again appreciate you guys coming in and um helping out this season um and going forward so with them we got quite a few changes um boy georgard why don't you tell people what they can expect going forward in this season of cast that movie let's see it'll be a lot of uh mutual interaction a lot of banter We'll, uh, you know, hit you with some new voices, of course, mine being one of them. It sounds mostly gay, because I am, but there are, there are better things in this world. And unfortunately, I'm not one of them. Oh, you put yourself down. That's not fair. And uh, Smoke the Bear, we have kind of a different thing for the second part of the show. Uh, kind of changes things up there. What are we going to be doing with those types of movies? Uh, well, shit-talking. All right, fair enough. We're going to be doing some <laughs> shit talking. Lots nice of shit talking. Clear cut. <laughs> all right, so as you all know, um, you know this is all part of the JoeDown.blog, um, so please check that out. Uh, plenty of podcasts there. Um, you know, we got our the cast that movie. Uh, we have the Twin Peaks. We now have Rate That Album. There'll be a Stranger Things. There's the Office podcast. There's going to be a Parks and Rec podcast. And there's going to be more coming in throughout the year um, that we'll be flushing out. So just go to the JoeDown.blog. Everything cool is there. Uh, before we jump into any more, I think we should go to our first ad break. And then we'll talk about our first movie, which was teased at the end of last season, which is Water Fuck World. We'll be back in just a second. Introducing Schmeet. You just can't beat the Schmeet. And as they say, if you can't beat it, Schmeet it. Seven easy payments of your upper intestine. Tested, tubed, and ready to supplement your regular food. Stimulating zaps from the lab to your can. It's the other, other, other almost near meat. Almost. Consuming openings meat could lead to serious side effects such as dehydration, turd flu, radioactive urine, salmonella, E. coli, exhaustion, and in some cases, bouts of jaundice and lethal gas. It's Schmeet it. If you can't beat it, Schmeet it. All right. Yeah, as you guys could tell, coming back in from the break, um, we have some new uh, ads and sponsors uh, this season. Um, <laughs> as you know, um, Joe McDougal had to take the season off. 
which is totally cool. So that means that, uh, you know, I had to lean on these two, uh, Smoke the Bear and Boy Georgian, um, in order to make that happen because I suck getting advertisers. So that's just how it is. All right. Are you two ready to dig into the shit show that is Waterworld? God, dude, <laughs> just, just having to be able to lower my natural vibration far enough to be able to comprehend and make a comprehensive layout for how shitty this was lowers yeah. my self-worth. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot that that really went wrong with this movie. Um, first of all, let's let's talk about uh, the fact that it was uh, a complete and other flop. All right, let's start there. Um, we should understand that the, due to the runaway cost and production, this movie gained the gained the, the, the names of Fishtar and Kevin's Gate um, due to how bad it did. Yeah. Uh, it was supposed to be a hundred million dollar budget, and it ballooned into a hundred and seventy-two million, with costs going in the two hundred and thirty-five million dollar range. When you look into marketing and distribution costs are factored in, so this went from a hundred million to two hundred and thirty-five million dollars. That should that's that's absolute garbage anyway, because the original budget was only sixty-five million. Right. It, and then right. It, broke, what, it broke the previous record of $55 million for the most costly film ever made. Well, at that time, anyway. At that time, oh. yes. <laughs> we are doing 1995 numbers. So to give you guys an idea, a movie that was $235 million in 1995, nowadays that doesn't sound like much, but in 1995 terms, that was unheard of. Nobody did a $135 million movie. Now, the film only grossed $88 million in the box office in North America. Bummer. Fucking, and then it took, what, till 2009 for them to finally break even? Yes, that's right. Because, yeah, they're like, wow, this this is a great VHS. What the hell is that? And I bet they got it and just threw it right in the furnace. (laughs) Well, and what's... What's really interesting, you guys, that you bring that up because um, what in the information I found that it literally says this. But after factoring home video sales, TV broadcasting rights, and streaming revenue, yeah, it eventually cool. became profitable. Right. So when I hear that yeah. streaming yeah. revenue, yeah, yeah, yeah. nineteen ninety, we didn't even know what streaming was in nineteen ninety five, right? Right. It didn't exist, so it really took till the streaming age for this movie to make money. Now, I want to be fair and bring up, you know, a positive. Overseas, worldwide, outside of North America, it did break in $176 million, which is okay. I mean, again, when you got to factor in, though, is that a movie cannot make basically under about 40% of what it costs in, in profit. So even though it came close to that $235 million mark, it really needed to make about $300 to $320 million to truly be considered profitable, which is why it took till the streaming age for it to become profitable. Yeah, which is garbage. I was reading that um, it, the, like one of the positives is Hawaii definitely got a whole bunch more like monetary funding 
just because they were there for so long and the crew and all the camera people, they couldn't leave because they didn't, you know, leave before tsunami season. Like, that sounds great. Stay here all you want. That sounds perfect. Yes. As a matter of fact, um, bring that up. Yes. Hawaii benefited greatly from this because the movie was originally only supposed to be 96 days and it turned into uh, well over 200 days. So they were there pumping in money to that economy left and right. Um, Yeah, let's talk about a few of the other things that were wrong. And by all means, if you have some information or know what I'm going to be running through, please jump in. Um, The the movie was originally supposed to be a Mad Max ripoff. Mad Max on water. Yes. Was it like a ripoff or like... It was a ripoff. It was like they were going to be seriously trying to just do Mad Max on the water. So it was a ripoff. So, okay, I was reading. Hold on. I have that shit somewhere. So Peter Rader, the original writer, said that Waterworld was just a ripoff of Mad Max in 1986 because it was following the success of Road Warrior in 1981. Yes. So Peter Radar went to a film director and low-budget king, Roger Corman. This is originally supposed to be a cheap ass Roger Corman production. It was it was supposed to be a B movie. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well that makes yep. that makes more sense. The writing makes more sense. Like yep. Dennis Hoffman's one liners and puns. And then after that, Paul, you know, after the original screenwriter, it went through six, seven, even possibly eight drafts before getting burnt out, before he got burnt out. And then it went to another writer by the name of uh, David uh, Toy. And -hmm. then it kept getting rewritten till it landed in Joss Whedon's lap. It was garbage and it was hell for like, what, three, three weeks, three months, something like that. And he's like, I tried to make it. I tried. I tried so hard, but like, I tried to put some puns in there. I tried to make it like some sort of cheesy, but it was such garbage that like, I didn't even want to deal with it anymore. Yes. And Adam Costner was such a shithead. Like he fired, allegedly, like the original other Kevin man. Yes. Like, well, yes. Like, I'm going to produce it myself. Well, in a way, that was Kevin Reynolds, who was the original director. Mm-hmm. And they had worked on Dances with Wolves, Fandango, mm-hmm. uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Like, they were like a duo. Mm-hmm. And in post-production, Reynolds got so pissed off that he quit. Slash, Kevin Costner fired him. Like, there's debate there if he quit or Costner said, fuck you, I'm doing this yourself. Kind of a combination of the bo- of the both. It later came down to where... Reynolds was quoted as saying, um, the fu- and in the future, Costner should only appear in pictures which he directs himself. That mm-hmm. way he can work with his favorite actor and director. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So that that happened. Um, but getting back to the rewrites, yeah, it, the, the, the script wasn't even finished when Kevin Costner, who had gotten involved in this thing, said, doesn't matter. I'm Kevin Costner. We're going to make this movie a, a big thing. So when he rushed into production, they hadn't even finished the script. So they were already getting prepared on set. One of the things that supposedly that uh, came out from a member of the crew, this is unaccredited, like this is an anonymous source, but apparently someone went to Newsweek, a couple of the other outlets at the time, and said that Kevin Costner uh, went to the special effects team and asked them to do something about his balding hair. 
Gotcha. Like he wanted computer generated hair. Yeah. Well, we could tell. <laughs> which is which is which is really funny to think about because uh, a lot of Waterworld, like all, most of the stuff, was like real, like the stunts, yes. the sets, the props, the locations. Even though, uh, what is it, Helen? Was that what her name? Helen, and then the little girl—they almost drowned. Mm-hmm. And then Costner, like he got stuck to a mast, and it took like half an hour for them to get to him to get him untied from the thing like man you guys should have just taken the signs yes uh and, and in addition to that one of the stuntmen got uh got lost at sea yep yeah he was gone he was um he was 40 miles he got pulled out 40 miles out in the ocean and then mm-hmm. to go out and get him yeah last uh, stunt devils almost died <laughs> yes there was a <laughs> shit ton of, of of injuries um there there was uh, oh, you know he almost uh, kevin costner almost got killed by one of the helicopters mm-hmm. um that was helping the film uh, another man had an embolism on set yeah while, while deep diving and because of and all this he came up too quick and then, and then almost like you know died because of that like, mm-hmm. come on guy <laughs> yeah yeah and one of the issues was was that the sets kept sinking the atoll yeah, yeah, the Atoli kept sinking because of all the different things. And then because everything's on water, the sets would move. Mm-hmm. So they'd have to take hours every day to push things back where they uh-huh. were. <laughs> and then, like, one of, one of the ships just sank. So mm-hmm. they had to ship materials from California to Hawaii and rebuild the whole bitch because yes. it fucked up. Yep. Yep. Like they, um, they exhausted all the Aloha State Reserve. They're like, all right, for well, this for this movie. Yeah, and be, and also <laughs> because of that, and one of the things that came about that about that sunken ship, this is one of those movies where it had infamous turnover behind the scenes. Um, nearly 500 of the of crew members of the crew either got fired or walked. I wonder why. Scene. Yeah, including even the assistant director was like, "F this." So yeah, and then. Getting back to the movie, a bunch of the local contractors, I mean, I mean, not the movie, but back to Hawaii, they made a bunch of money um, because they're out in Hawaii. So the contractors were like overcharging all this work. Hell yeah, they, they were. Doing. Yep. As they should. Give, take charge for your land. Getting into the personal life, which is when we do cast that movie, this is one of the things that we also run into is personal turmoil on the set and kevin costner was going through a divorce at the time of this movie and he was one of the creative writers you know creative forces on the movie so of course you know when he's rewriting these things he's not thinking about things and he was actually offset quite a bit with a married hulan hawaii dancer at a local hotel somehow this broke out to all the tabloids at the time which gave the movie another you know more bad press also, did you know that at one point <laughs> that Kevin Costner was supposed to have a horse? What? In this movie? What, what was it going to do? Drown? Where would it have come from? Well, somehow in all these versions of the scripts was that a white horse would be kept on his boat, but never do anything other than be on the boat. And I guess they tried it like early on, like a test to see <laughs> how a horse would react yeah. with water, and it didn't go well at I'm all. Sure. So, so they're like El Dorado, and, and yeah, he's gonna be able to just be on the boat. No, that's no, honey, no. 
Apparently, there is a whole other cut of this movie that we have not seen. Did, uh, no, no thanks. <laughs> yeah, and I guess Dennis Hopper saw it, wanted it, and Dennis Hopper actually liked the original cut, but Kevin Costner got final say after um, the other Kevin, Kevin Reynolds, left. We were talking before the podcast a little bit about this movie, and we were also saying there's a lot of articles now that are saying, hey, it, you know, this movie isn't as bad as you think it is. This really isn't all that bad of a movie. I want to get your guys' opinion on people that are writing articles like that and what you guys think, first off. No, it's that bad. <laughs> people are trying to uh, make it into a cult classic, and this is by no means, any shape or form, any sort of, like, Tank Girl, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Like, it's not one of those, like, oh, lost shit. Boys. Yeah, like, it's not a Lost Boys. Like, you... You can't come back from this. This isn't one of those like, hey man, wow, I, you know what? Let me rewatch Waterworld really quick and like see, let me see what it's talking about. Maybe I, I missed it. And then you watch it and like you're just disappointed. Like you could have had a V8, a steak, fuck it, you could have built a house and, and how atrocious it is. Let it be known that you, that all three of us here skew very, very liberal, very, very on the left, politics aside. One of the things that people have been saying about why this movie deserves a second look is because they say, oh, well, this shows what could happen with climate change. And I go, <laughs> I, go no, I, mean, this- <laughs> I wrote a whole thing about how this isn't even good sci-fi. Because it's not believable in the slightest. Like, it's, it's no comparison. I uh, have to agree with you guys on that. Thank you for saying that, because I thought, like, oh, my gosh, am I on the wrong side here? But like, but- like, if you, if no, you read I mean, enough articles, then you're like, okay, wait a minute, maybe it's me. But, like, no, no. It doesn't even follow the lines of uh, good writing for sci-fi. Like, you can't even apply it to reality. That's the only thing that makes it good. Like, War of the Worlds, released on the radio, made people freak out. Right. In it terms was of- written well. And, and in terms of cult movies, you know, I mean, there's movies that are so bad, they're good. Right. But I think the problem with this one is, is it commits the cardinal sin of a bad movie. It's ultimately boring. Yeah. yeah. It, it tries to be serious. Right. And, and While being campy. Right. Mm-hmm. So, like, if we if we remember, or I guess if, if we factor in that it was supposed to be a B movie, and then if we factor in that he was going through a divorce, and if we factor in... Like, you know, all these bad things were happening. And we factor in that a producer or an actor, he's definitely not a writer. And if we fa- like, there's too many things oh, to factor in. You know, like, I have to, there are so many, so many things that you have to add in to be like, yeah, well, I guess it's like, it's like the abusive boyfriend that, you know, <laughs> at least makes dinner every three months. You know, like, all right, I do like food, but also, I, I, could, I could just not do it. Well, and I want to bring up, you know, you guys bring up a really good point there. And, you know, the, the ultimate thing is I think people kind of go, well, it's a bad movie, so it has to be a cult. Or, you know, it's got to be so bad, it's good. You know, this movie's so old now and blah, blah, blah. But I don't think it'll ever hit that status because, no. you know, again, it would still be a B movie. And then it turned into a serious thing. And the problem was it missed the mark on both. And just became this boring, and the script too. I mean, it's not even funny enough in the script to make it worth it. You know what I mean? Like a nice thing about a bad movie that you can laugh at or make fun of. And this one just 
makes sonnets itself so much that you just go, I'm uh, like, I can't imagine, that, for example, the mystery science people being able to make this entertaining to, to make <laughs> right. fun of. Right. Paul, it's the 90s and there's no nipple. <laughs> <laughs> They're wearing corsets and there's no nipple. No yeah. way. The whole movie. How do you make a 90s movie and not have just like thin shirt? Yep. <laughs> well, you have water. Why? Yeah, you have water. Why is it? Hey, I know. I know. You don't have water. Not a single wet T-shirt correctly in the '90s. <laughs> like this is this is what? When did Friends come out? Oh gosh, uh, around that time, I think. Yeah. Okay, so we have Rachel nipples. Yep. Okay, everybody wanted to see nipples, and we didn't get a single. One like we didn't even get decent dude nipples. Nope, nope. Um, and uh, by the way, um, yeah, Friends came out in 1994, so they were on the see, second season. See yep. every opportunity, but no, since I'm having a divorce, we shan't have any nipples. No, <laughs> and the no thing is, <laughs> if if he was stupid, the hula dancer, bring her in for a fucking topless scene real quick. You know, throw something. Oh, no. Frozen a bone. Say, well, this, nothing, Make it interesting a little there's bit. There's literally nothing in that movie for me to be <laughs> like, you know what? Like, okay, there are some times when you have a movie in your head or like some some random movie comes into your mind and there's just like, wow, I just want to watch a movie specifically for this specific scene. There is nothing in Waterworld that I would be like, you know what? Turn it to chapter 13 real quick. I just want to see that scene real quick. Like, no, no. So are we in agreement then? Because I lean this way that a good bad movie should have some kind of gratuitous, unnecessary nudity. Right. Yes. Yes. Thank you. All right. Even even <laughs> if it was somebody in the background, like if it was right. like even even if one of the smokers just had some random Philip Morris girl that was topless. <laughs> In the background, not even she, like we didn't even have an extra that had nipples hanging out. But what well, I forget what this movie was rated even. Okay, uh, so let's see on IMBD. Well, right now, anyway, like, like PG thirteen. Oh, PG-13. Uh, see, that's a problem too. Like I okay, nineteen ninety five was not like I, really when PG thirteen first came out in the eighties. There's mm -hmm. worthwhile PG thirteen movies. But as yeah. the 90s kind of came in the focus, and especially now, like, I, I cannot, like, I, there's this argument I see online a lot, like, with horror movies. Like, there's no good PG-13 horror movies. And I tend to agree with that. Like, PG-13 became this thing that's like this odd, almost like a stain on something. Like, you got to throw in something that either put it in the R range or drop it down enough so it's family-friendly enough to put it in the PG. Like... PG thirteen to me is kind of the is like the rating you try to avoid. Right. I've never seen yeah. you know, am, am I wrong on that? Well, no, you're not. And um, to my understanding, PG thirteen was like you get one use of the word fuck, but it can't be in like sexual way. Yeah, there's these good. I love you bring that up. Yeah, there's these weird rules for the PG thirteen. There's a certain number of swear words you can say. Like there's so many shits you can say. Or one fuck, you know, so many dams. Um, you can show some really brief nudity. There, you know, there are things that you have to be in this line. And I feel like too many people now avoid that stuff and, you know, go from a PG because they go, 
No one wants to see a PG. But no, if it's Bonnie World could have been PG. Like, there's no reason why they couldn't watch this. Yeah, there's no reason. And it could have been some, like, it could have been, yeah, it could have been for the kids, but, like, adventure story. Yeah, it could have been cool. Like, Kevin Costner in no way, shape, or form was supposed to have that role. Like, he does not have a, like, he's already a family man. Mm-hmm. Anything about Kevin Costner, you're like, oh, cool, he's going to have, like, some sort of family. Like, yep. in, like to come into a movie and be like, wait a minute, Costner's the bad boy, and he, and we're trying to domesticate Costner? Well, yeah, you know, you bring up a really good point because even in, uh, no, I mean, like even in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, he wasn't a bad boy. He was, he was a good guy and he tried to put this edge on himself and it didn't work. And you know, you guys bring up a really good point. Like they could have focused more on Enola, uh, Mm -hmm. the girl and made this a PG and had the kids be involved and it probably would have done better. Yeah, absolutely. And she's a great actress. She... I can wholeheartedly yeah. say I've been I've been thinking about this since we watched Waterworld. She is literally only person in the whole goddamn cast, except for Jack Black. Shout out to him. He's <laughs> like the only she's the only one that does not need to be recasted. Well, and here's the interesting thing about that. You know who she went on to be? Yeah, she's in Napoleon Dynamite. Yes. She was she's in Crazy Napoleon Anatomy. Dynamite. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. She was in yeah. Karina Karina when she was younger, and that that's actually one of my favorite movies. So now speaking of recasting, let's jump into that. So I have let's first I'm gonna talk about my vision. My vision is I see this being far more of an R going into that grindhouse Mad Max kind of Thunderdome world of but uh, no more of a hard R like this is. This needs to be more over the top with the insanity. Okay. So the director I picked for it, <clears throat> speaking of Grindhouse, was Robert Rodriguez. Ooh. Okay. Okay. So I tell me you. about your vision and you know where you direction you went with your movie and who your director pick was. I think I think that if we were gonna do like if we were just gonna stay in like the action sense, I think I'm looking more for like more more plausible danger mm-hmm. um so i went with paul excuse me i'm i'm kind of torn between roland emmerich and paul uh verhoven yep I'm, I'm like it's a close tie that, that's two. yeah i like both those but i'm gonna force you to pick one fine we'll do roland roland because he did a really really good ass independence day he did do a really good in, in independence day and i think he could have done well <laughs> With the special oh, effects. Just figured it out. <laughs> yeah. Smoke here decided, just remembered or just figured out who that director was. <laughs> so then him as your director, then who is your mariner? Which one's the mariner? Who played Mariner? Yes. Let's stop there. Let's stop there for a second because I want to bring something up here. There are things that are really bad about this movie. For example, the fact that Kevin Costner went by Mariner. Like you were like, who's Mariner? Who's oh, Mariner? Mariner. Yeah. He doesn't have a name. He's just the Mariner. And she says that too. Yeah. Little baby says it. Oh, he doesn't have a name. So I also want to bring up. I thought that was fucking stupid. What <laughs> else did you guys think in this movie was okay? So the general plot of this movie, I should we should point out. I'm gonna back yeah, us up probably, a little bit. That one. <laughs> yeah, we probably should back up because we're talking about like what's wrong with the movie. We should probably talk about the plot of the movie. So basically, Kevin Costner's like this solo on his own, 
pirate dude. And, you know, he's like this loner in this apocalyptic world there. All the land is gone. There's nothing but water, hence the term water world. And somehow he gets into these shenanigans with this woman, Helen, and uh, this girl, Enola, about finding, what's it called, dry land? Yeah. Is that, if that's just the right. simple fucking name of it, was dry land? Yeah. And because there's so much water that there's only one mountain poking through, but still he can go all the way to the bottom and see buildings mm-hmm. and not run into a mountain ever. Okay, but ever for hundreds of years they evolved. He evolved. Humans evolved yes. in the time that it has passed, and these guys don't know where dry land is. <laughs> well, yeah, they don't, evaporation existed, like like it ceased to exist. Yeah, there's no seasons. It's just. Hawaii all the time. It's just water. It's water all the time. As if the whole planet would just suddenly change. Okay, sure. As if the ice caps melt that much. Okay, Uh, sure. Yes. Global warming. Yeah, so through all this... They're finally like, yeah, global warming is real. (laughs) So through all this, they, they run afoul of this guy, Deacon, his crew... And shenanigans, it's like a lot of it's so implausible that, you know, all these cast of characters come to help them because, you know, he's the mariner, I guess. And And so at one point, like, he gets caught up and, like, one of the people on the island, like, it's not even the the toll. Yeah, I thought it was the atoll. Is it it the atoll? Yeah, it's atolls. So... One of them is like so, like oh wow, look at that guy, he's so cool. And one of the atoll people like touches his ear, and they're like, he's a mutant. And then it just kind of goes from there. And like even even him not escaping the cage was stupid. So talk to me about like what you guys think about this mutant thing. Like, like when if if people are evolving again over hundreds of years. Wouldn't there be more of these mutants? Like, wouldn't everyone kind of start to exhibit these traits? That's what I'm saying. I don't know, dude. They're, they're so Wouldn't many... you want to breed with him? Yeah, right? If your world is water, you want to breathe under it, right? <laughs> yeah. Don't you yeah, want your like kids a... to survive? Like, how are you going to just chain them up and be like, no, don't touch my daughter? Yeah. Like, you wanted to breed anyway. Because <laughs> You want to yeah. have skill, like, you want to adapt with things for survival. Having yeah, gills for survival in Waterworld is a necessity. Right. Are they just saying that like Waterworld is just filled with rednecks? Like, I mean, I it's that's a bunch why they of, can't find dry land. <laughs> you're not they welcome around these parts. This is a tiny town. We don't like you. You don't like your town around here, boy. You best keep on moving. <laughs> but you but sure got to swim along with them, their fins, boy. <laughs> so eventually. Oh. Can we talk about, okay, yes. there are three exact scenes, and fuck all three of them, but there right. are three scenes when they show his feet and they are not wet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's a lot of continuity errors. <laughs> There's a lot of continuity errors. But again, you got to think about this. Kevin Costner basically pushed himself into the editing room with post-production. So, you know, he doesn't have an eye for that kind of thing. So, like, you see and this a lot. Yeah, yeah, you see, he's not a writer. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, I noticed that too. There's a lot of scenes, there's even more of that. Like, some of the extras too are dry when you go, Wait, why the fuck 
Mm-hmm. You should be soaking wet. Like, what the hell's going on here? Uh, yeah. Let's let's also talk about um, the the Schmied. Yeah. The Schmied. Let's talk about I mean, the Schmied. We only see it like twice, and it's yep. like almost spam, but not. But right. not. It's basically yeah. It's like it's it's so off color, but I mean that makes sense because you know, I guess nobody touches it. But like, okay, but okay. So if they evolved, <laughs> and enough time has passed for humans to evolve, how do they still have stores of meat? They don't. It's no. It's just stored. And 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 and, and here's the thing. With what? No, we, we, that's not what we know. It's just That's there. what I'm saying. So, like, conceptually, you're supposed to be like, oh, man, they've had this, like, they've had this oil since <laughs> the world went underwater. They've had this meat since the world went under the water. Right. The world went underwater, and then humans evolved. That takes time. Yeah. This is such yeah. a bad sci-fi. No, no, <laughs> it does. No, no, no. It's, you, you bring up a really good point, because the way I look at it is, Basically, you evolved to the point, if, if we've evolved that far where we got gills, then our intestines, everything would have evolved essentially probably to have to feed on, say, algae and digest that kind of thing. And you would think at that point, too, I mean, if we already have enough of gills, why do we have this thing where we can distill our own urine to drink water? You're underwater. You're breathing underwater. Water is coming into your mouth. Salt water is coming into you. No, look, you'd have to be like a medical professional to like go so far as to think that like if he can breathe underwater, that means he can also have water for his body. Right. Right. That's too far. Okay. Too far. (laughs) Fair enough. And can we talk about like again? You're on. You're you're on all these things. You're on all this. All this land. How do they have all this stuff for, where do they get the oil? And where do they have all the stuff for combustion? Like, where do all the fireworks and the explosions and shit mm-hmm. come from? You're on fucking water. <laughs> they're, like, they're saved. For how like, long? I want to I know how quickly they're able to make fire, period. Well, and here's the thing. You, you know, Smoke the Bear brought up a really good point. They've evolved. They've come to the point of evolving. And you still... <laughs> Have all this stuff that you stored for hundreds of hundreds of years that mm-hmm. got most of it got destroyed, and yet mm-hmm. you're able to get on your goddamn boat before fucking everything went under. <laughs> so oh. Well, that's that's the reason for like that's why the rule or like the the code is to trade stuff. Well, like, but you run out of things to. But you run out of I mean, things. That's There's why no man. Really lost his mind. So, I mean, unless unless God came down. All of Noah's Ark. And you mean had, no, I'm saying God came down via <laughs> Noah's Ark. Yeah, Kevin Costner. Yeah, in the form of Kevin Costner, and told billions of people start building boats and putting your fucking shit on it because right, you're gonna right. have for hundred of years. You're right. not gonna know shit. <laughs> well, I mean, it, this, okay, so is this, if they if the, if it's been like years. This is under the assumption that, like, this just happened out of nowhere. Like, maybe at one point they were like, oh, shit, okay, the water is... It's rising. This just rising, like, all right, what's going on? And, like, you know, people started making stuff because there's always bored people. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, so so you have, like, oh, fuck, like, my goddamn basement's under. I'm going to argue that point because I'm going to say in the idea of if it's that much water, 
that didn't happen gradual like i mean if there's so much water that there's only this one place where this peak of this mountain after hundreds of years have gone by mind you so they evolved. <laughs> they evolved. Um, as, as smoke the bear points out so very 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 well um no that didn't happen gradual that wasn't like a oh, okay let's do this that had to be a catastrophic like buildings had to be underwater within a day i'm gonna say like i, I i'm gonna argue that point i, mean, I think i think it, i think it started slow Okay. And then, I don't know. Okay. It's, it's the only like, way that, like, or at least to make much. this plausible, I'm not like because right. obviously our brains are far beyond whatever they thought they were doing in this movie. Mm -hmm. But like, we also have to factor in that there weren't very many smart people in this movie as depicted. So, and like dumbasses kick off the smart people first because they're dumb. So if you if you factor in like if this let's say this was like a weak thing of like you got an inch to two inches of water every day people are like mass doing stuff like your house is going underwater you're breaking stuff off your basements stuff off your shout your sheds and you're starting to like just put stuff together and then you see what are the like you see smokers and they're like oh man let me just take that and then one of them might be smart and build more onto it. I'm not saying that's what happened, but right. there might have been some smart people somewhere that started to, and then they built on that, and then shit got weird. But like, there had to be some sort of starting point where a bunch of smart people noticed that shit was getting a little weird. Okay, and started and started doing stuff. I'm gonna give you that in terms of this movie's universe, but in reality. No, hell no. We, <laughs> hell we, no. I mean, we, we're seeing this shit here and nobody's prepared. <laughs> yeah, no, hell no. No, I mean, look at... If I, I, mean, got, if I got an inch of water a day, I would just I would just work on evolving. Right, right. I'd <laughs> every day try and work on my gills. Like, just right. put my mouth down and drown myself a couple times a day. Right. Like, attempt to drown myself. Be like, right. get gills, fucker. It'll now. All right. So finally, the movie ends on a happy note. Everybody gets it to the fucking dry land, blah, blah, blah. Family now. Yeah. Yeah, and then he dips again. But, like, he's he's swimming with homegirl who couldn't, you know, who couldn't swim. She knows how to swim now. Yep. Everything just ends hunky fucking dory in this giant fucking shit game. All right. reasons why it should have been a children's movie. Right. Right. All right. So back, sorry, back to our... Back to our pick. So again, remind me. Remind me. My director, uh, my director was Roland Emmerich. Thank you, Roland Emmerich. Yes. Okay. So now that we went back through, got the got this done. Mine was Robert Rodriguez. Who is your Mariner? Who is your Kevin Costner? Oh, Val Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna have things to say about that when we get when we get to that. I have Elias Cotes, um, who was at this time was in uh, the Prophecy. Um, he's been in several other movies. Um, you may have to look him up, but he is awesome. He's more of a character actor, but he's had some great... Um, he was Casey Jones in uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, the original one. Um, he was in Thin Red Line. He was in Crash. Um, he was in Shutter Island. Um, he's been in... He was in Zodiac. He was one of the police in Zodiac uh, with uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, he's been in a ton of movies. And uh, he's just one of those guys that I think could have given a more of a crazy edge to it. I will tell you, because you brought up the other one, I had originally wanted to do Nicolas Cage, 
but Nick Cage <laughs> was not. I couldn't do it because that's too far in hindsight. Nick Cage at this point, he hadn't even done Con Air yet. So they weren't going to give him this uh, with this kind of budget and this kind of thing. I can picture his hair. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, if this had come out like two years later, this totally could have been a Nick Cage joint. All right. So then I think we next we went with for our replacements um, was Deacon, was um, um, Dennis Hopper. Oh, you want to go first for that one? Oh, sure. I'll go for that first that one. So he was actually in another movie as a villain in 1995. And he's not known. He's known for doing kind of odd parts, but he is an actor. And he actually most recently did a movie that I really, really enjoy. But I thought that we needed to keep that crazy edge. But at this point, Hopper was past his prime. And this guy's always in his prime. I went with Henry fucking Rollins. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, I think Henry Rollins could have done a very good deacon. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Who's, so who's your deacon? Well, I mean, fuck mine now. But no, I, no, I, I no, chose, no. I chose Ian McShane just because, like, oh, yeah. he, he would do such a good, like, facial representation. And, like, he, he commits to damn near every role that he does. Like, there, there are very few Ian McShane situations where I'm like, mm, you probably shouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't have been those cheesy, awful, like, theater kid facial expressions that Dennis Hopper decided. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen Repo the Musical. I have. Uh, but, the Gorak the Gor- uh, Gor- Opera? Yeah. And yep. that's, that's what Dennis Hopper looked like he was going for. He looked like he was a, he was studying for repo. Yeah, right. You know, Dennis Hopper does a good crazy, but the problem is, is that if Dennis Hopper is in a bad, is like is not enjoying what he's filming, it comes off in his. Right, and you can tell Dennis Hopper is such a good actor. Yeah, and, and you could tell that, he doesn't give a fuck. His profile, like man. So who would you? So who would you pick then as Helen? Who's your Helen? Uh, this is another one. Like, if I had a casting call, <laughs> mm-hmm. it would be Sissy Spacek, Rene Russo, and Michelle Pfeiffer. Okay. So, and who'd you land on? Rene Russo. Okay. All right. I went with, again, my version, everything's a little bit more action-orientated, right? Okay. And I went with someone that could, I, I feel like is good, has proven that they can do action, because she was awesome in Blade Runner. I went with Daryl Hannah. Oh, that's a good one. I I was so I was thinking about Daryl Hannah because she has really good expression and she's really good at like mouth acting. She's really and like it's fucking <sighs> Gene Triplehorn is an awful mouth actor. But like Daryl Han- Daryl Hannah would be my close like fourth. Yeah, absolutely. And I can see you know, and I'm gonna give you credit there, Renee Russo. I think definitely could have done that role as well. Um, you know, again, you're keeping it more action orientated. So yeah, mm-hmm. I could see where you're doing that. Mine's going over the top. All right. right. And I think now we changed the game around a little bit for our audience. This is the last one that you and I told each other that we were going to pick. And then we have, we picked two that we weren't going to tell each other who we were going to recast. So um, the next one we picked was the enforcer. Mm-hmm. Who is your enforcer? <clears throat> Again, if it were a casting call, it's either Steven Seagal or Powers Booth. I was I was also leaning on Andre the Giant just because Ooh. like 
why the fuck not? You know? Well, was Andre doing any? Was Andre still acting in 1995, though? I'm, I think he was. Like, I think it was the tail end. Yeah, I think it was at the tail end. I'm glad you didn't pick him, though, because um, I would have kind of right. gone it. No, no, he had passed away already. Oh, word? Ooh, yeah. Yep, yep, he had passed well, away see, that's why he didn't make it in the casting call. Well, there you go. Well, I definitely chose Power Powers Booth. I will take Powers Booth. I I will I will yeah. Powers Booth is is far more. Uh, I think you know. I actually I'm going to tell you mine. I we'll get to it, but I think you kind of won that one. I went with Jeff Bridges just because I like Jeff Bridges. <laughs> yeah, that that sounds like a throw. <laughs> yeah, no, I like Jeff Bridges. I was like, all right, but you know, no. Okay, so now in this game we have two new. We added and like we said, we added a new thing. So we both picked something, two things that we're going to recast without telling the other one. Mm-hmm. So tell me your surprise recast, and I'll give oh. you my reaction. I'll, I'll give you one. We could, you want to okay. do one each? We'll do one each. Okay. So I surprise recasted the narrator. Okay. Because gross. And um, I chose Thomas Hayden Church. Nice. Yeah, he. I love his voice, and mm-hmm. just thinking about his personality and Easy A. Yeah. I think that, like it would. It would have been so much better to have him narrate it, and like the first thing that you see would be like you know the water. You're like, oh okay, mm-hmm. like we might be in some shit now. Like wow. So Thomas Hayden Church is is my narrator. So my, um. What I did is I actually went with production crew and okay. behind the scenes, and I replaced the writer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you <he> did. <laughs> yeah, I did. And I went with one David S. Goyer, who okay. was known, who has been known for Dark City, which I love. Yeah. He did all three of the Christopher. He wrote all three of the Christopher Nolan Batman movies. Yeah, he did. He did Constantine. He's working on the Sandman series. I love what this guy does. And he was doing B-movies at that time, too. Um, in, in the 90s, he was doing Demonic Toys, Puppet Masters, um, The Substitute, Kickboxer 2, Death Warrant. I mean, this guy was living, breathing, crazy-ass action movies. So I think I, I think that he, that if he wrote things for Rene Russo, I think that that would be like I think that we would even be able to mesh movies, sure, with like well, what you what you're looking for and in, in like mm-hmm. what it should be and like what I'm looking for. I think we would be able to do that with your writers. So I I completely agree there. I appreciate. It. Now here's where the game gets interesting because before we would have just me and Jode saying going head off, you know, doing the back to back, but today. We have a um, a referee that is Smoke the Bear. So we didn't do the other one now. Oh, okay. Let's, uh, uh, yes, yeah. yes, yes. What was the other one? Yes. What was the other one that you would replace? So my other surprise was the music score. Ooh. Okay. I like that. So yeah. So I think that so James Horner, Hans Zimmer, Glenn Frey. I think they would make so much better so so glenn frey if you're not familiar he did the music score for desperado oh yeah and well like totally that, if i did a rodriguez movie then i have to then i have to go yeah, with that see? See? yeah yeah and then so james horner he did braveheart and so yeah, I, oh, think, I know james horner yeah yeah and so if you're familiar with hans zimmer i he, love hans i you know, don't, don't even have to i have the inception you know. i have the inception score 
Don't even. That's so like, that, is, that would be so good. Like, if you can imagine, like, any time the Smokers came out and, like, Hans Zimmer wrote that shit, man. Way more epic and way darker. Yeah, and I would, I would want to watch it so much more. So I made a disagreement with you on something that you said earlier. I actually recasted Enola. Not because I don't like the actress, but because I'm doing an action movie. And right. she have to do a lot more physical action parts. Right. And I wanted a child actor at the time who <clears throat> basically got her start in an action movie. I went with Natalie Portman, 1995's okay. Natalie Portman, because I think she could do the, I mean, she was great in The Professional. I'm sorry. She was. Yes, she was. Hell yeah, she was. Mm -hmm. And she could hold her own in a, in a, um, a, a lot of with, with you know playing against a lot of the adults, I feel like. So, with that, let's talk our points. All right, directors, I got Robert Rodriguez. Uh, you had remind me one more time. <laughs> no, I, I just I don't have it written down. Oh, uh, Ronald Emmerich. Ronald Emmerich. All right, I'm gonna make a case for Rodriguez. You can make a, a case for Emmerich. Rodriguez that year, <clears throat> 1995, in that 90s. Robert Rodriguez was on fire. Um, I mean, he was he was doing the entire Desperado. He was doing Once Upon a Time in Mexico. He was just, he was kind of in his stride. And this was right before he really started to take off and doing things with Tarantino in the 2000s. So I do think like this would have been just another like ratchet up Rodriguez crazy fest that he's known for. So that's my take. I don't know, my take is Independence Day. That's that's all I got. <laughs> Smoke the bear. Are we keeping it PG thirteen or are we bumping the rating up? Mine I'm bumping. The, well, my movies the ratings bumped up for sure. Not, yours is NC seventeen. No, mine's R. Mine's a hard oh, R. Okay, mine's like, a hard R. I mean, I'm gonna have R. I need. I have. I need so much more vulgarity in mine. Yeah. Well, then, then I pick both. That, that's fine. Yeah. yeah all right. <laughs> Our movie. That's, yeah, that's, that's fine. <laughs> well, like, if it was going to be PG 13, though, your director would be able to do yeah. a better PG 13. Yeah, no, that's fine. Absolutely. So, you have my uh, Elias Coltes to your Val Kilmer. Okay, I'm going to I'm gonna make a case against Val Kilmer on that. I actually am not going to make a case for mine. I'm going to make a case against <laughs> I, Val I, I knew you were gonna... No, the reason why is because Val Kilmer has been a staple, was a staple, and one of our go tos. Uh, for the first season of Cast That Movie. Val Kilmer is a disaster on set. So, it just be, I mean, Kevin Costner was a disaster, and now you're replacing Kevin Costner, in my opinion, with another disaster. Uh, okay, but to be fair, if we're doing your director, mm -hmm. then we have to choose your main mariner. No, like, no that's I, not how, I'll, that's I'll not how absolutely the absolutely bow out, though, because, like, no, Under those ramifications, like that's it. Like I'm firmly gonna stand behind most everything else. But if we're doing like, like I do not see Val Kilmer being as bloody and gory as it would be written. So like, hell yeah, you win that one. That one, fair. Like, there's you don't even we don't even need a referee for that one. Okay, all right. So so we'll go with mine over that. Okay, our deacons, Henry Rollins to your uh, Ian McShane. I'm going to give you Ian McShane. <laughs> I know I am because I like Rollins. Um, but my only concern in 1995 with Henry Rollins is that's a lot of stage time. That's a lot of time that he would be on there. And that he had not been in a movie yet 
where he had that much of a role. Right. So I don't know how he would have. And, and my, my concern, truthfully, like, like I'm looking at this logistically, I think had he done Waterworld and had it been the way that was, because it was still going to be a difficult shoot. Um, I think he would have walked away from movies altogether. So right. I'm going to give you Ian McShane. So we don't need a referee on that one. Sheila, we make it so easy for you. That's great. All right. Uh, my Daryl Hannah to your Renee Russo. Um, going with action, I feel like Renee Russo is more of a drama. She could do some. Like, you know, she was in Lethal Weapon 3 and 4, uh-huh. but not in an action role. She was more of a kind of a side character. She didn't run around and do a lot of the fight scenes and things like that. Whereas that's because she hadn't been, she hadn't been looking for those yet though. But I think if it were presented to her, I think that she would be able to do it because if you like, if we're going the bloody route that like you want, like just, just splash some blood on it. Just like, and she'll, she'll act her ass off. Yeah, that's Especially true. If we're like, because there's no like, I don't have a Anola like counterpart. So like, Anola is cast in this, yep. in this world. So like, I think Renee Russo splashed up with blood while Natalie Portman is just doing her thing. I think that would work. I would much rather see Renee Russo and Natalie Portman like have this already established bond. Than, All right, than I'm gonna Daryl give, Hannah. No, I'm gonna give it to you. Because at this point, I got to remember as well as where Daryl Hannah was in her career. Mm-hmm. And she wasn't doing action movies anymore. She moved far away from that. She was doing grumpy old men and the ties that bind and, you know, Adam's family reunion. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, even in Kill Bill, when she was doing Kill Bill in the 2000s, she wasn't, she, you know, if you look at it, she wasn't having the awesome fight scenes Right, that, she only she only had that that one, but that came yeah. like way, and late. that came way at the end. It was very short. It was very yeah, short. and like and she got her, the other eye snatched out. But yep. like if you if you want monologuing, if you want like screen time, if you want like just pure presence, and like that's what your movie's gonna be made of, then Daryl Hannah for sure. But Renee is so much stronger in what I think this movie recasted. Yeah. And I've already given you your enforcer. So we came out pretty much at a tie there, I think. I yeah. had two, you had two. Yeah. So, and I think that's a good mix. I really do think that we have a good mix there. I mean, if you think about it, we have Robert Rodriguez, we have Elias Cotez, uh, we have Ian McShane, and uh, uh, we have, um, uh, you know, Daryl, the yeah. oh, Excuse me, we have Renee Russo. And Natalie Portman. Um, and Natalie Portman. Um, and the dude from Deadwood. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. I think that's a that's good. That's a far better thing. So um, anything else you guys want to bring up or you have complaints about this movie or really let's I mean, I think we can we'll get into our recommendations, I think, as it were. Um, I would not recommend this movie whatsoever. Um, not even as a joke. No. Um, so the, just, the ratings that I, when I last look them up, it's IMB, IMDb is six point two out of ten. Mm-hmm. Rotten Tomatoes is forty six percent. The Met Critic is fifty six percent. But then you get to the Google users, and it's eighty six percent like the movie. 
Yeah, I think that's a lot of, you know what I think this is? I think, I, you know, people want bad movies, I think, to be cults, you know? And I think there's this whole, I think part of that's the irony thing. Oh, we're going to say, you know, this is like a hipster thing, like we're going to say it is. But believe me, there is a lot better bad movies that you could be watching that are far more entertaining. Right. Um, so, like Blackula. But like Blackula and Scream, Blackula, Scream. Mm-hmm. And Hot Potato. I uh, think that enough people recognize that Waterworld is so terrible that they don't even bother to go onto Google and rate it in the first place. Yes, and I think that's another good thing that you have. Like, I personally watch bad movies. I've rated some bad movies. I would never even think to go and be like, Waterworld's a bad... Like, I'm not even going to rate it. We know Waterworld's a bad movie. Right. And it's bad for wrong reasons. That messes with the, with the well, algorithms. Let's, let's look at what the cover looks like. Yeah, oh God, the cover is just a giant piece of shit. And if I remember correctly, because I was in high school when this came out, uh, dating myself here, if I remember the marketing for it, there was a lot of it, but it was it said nothing about the movie. Right. Because <laughs> they it, hadn't written it yet. Right. Well, <laughs> yeah. It wasn't there. Yeah. I, I, I mean, because I think it was still in post-production when they were marketing it, like they didn't have a final, final, uh, a final cut for it. Yeah, they uh, said like now on Universal Pictures, Kevin Costner, and now he's wet. Yeah, and, uh, and he runs around and there's water. How wet? Costner be a horse. <laughs> and this time it's personal. So, wet. Yeah, all right, that's what so, this shit is called. The movie Wet. Wet. Wet world. A uh, wet. Just wet. Kevin Costner's wet. That's just <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Costner's wet. It doesn't have a name. Um, <laughs> all right. Coming to a theater near you, unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately. All right. With that, I think we should go into the next ad, and then we're going to come back, and I'm going to spring a game on you guys that yeah. you did not know about. All right. Yeah. See you guys after the break. We all know what's coming. That's right, people. We're headed to the apocalypse. That means no roads, no phones, no food, and no water. While we here at Fluid Liquids aren't in the business of three of those four things, we can do something about one of them. Water. Now, we all know water doesn't just fall from the sky or grow on trees, but we do know one place it does come from. That's right, your urethra. Introducing Fluid Liquids Urinade. With its patented urine filter design, you can say goodbye to any chance to never having a fresh glass of water again. Simply whip out your badger wing next time you need to go number one. And instead of using the toilet, just pop a squat on the open top compartment of your urinade. And in six hours, you'll have 10, that's 10 milliliters of fresh drinking water. That will be sure to get you through another day of the impending apocalypse. Only $9,876.54, people. Just go to our website, Fluid Liquids Urinade. Dot us dot uk dot org dot net dot org. We accept Bitcoin and direct bank account links. Get yours today. Disclaimer: This broadcast does not support the validity of this pro- previous product or any medical issues that may occur from its use. All right. Well, that was a fun segment. We really went in depth and 
really fucking tore that movie apart more so than I thought we were going to. <laughs> what you asked me to come here for? <laughs> Ask and you fucking receive. All right, guys. So at this point, uh, I'm going to throw a game at you. And we used to have some other games, and I'm going to bring them up to these, to these things. And I'm going to – I want to get more off the top of the head. I don't want to plan the games. Um, so first of all, with every game time, everyone knows this from season one, pants come off. And I'm going to throw a top three of your guys' way. Now, you can interpret it any way you want. You guys could take it, and, you know, you could go any top three in any way, direction, however you want to do it. Could be top three best, top three worst, top three whatever. And yours is going to be top three titty shots in a movie. Man. Um, okay, so we have, what's her name? Anne Hathaway and Love and Other Drugs. Okay. I mean, okay, it's not necessarily like a titty shot, but it's like worth it. So, we'll do Aaliyah and Queen of the Damned. Okay. Because it's just Fine like, move. yeah, that's a good-ass type <laughs> of... I don't know, we'll just we'll just say like any Jason or Freddy. <laughs> Take your pick. Any Friday the 13th or Nightmare yeah, on just, <laughs> just run it in there. <laughs> you want to see some good boobs? That's good, jangly, almost bloody boobs. Smoke Bear, you're a top three. Titty shots. What is her name? Julia Stiles in 10 Things I Hate About You. Like the whole ass movie. Mm-hmm. I realize that most of the time her shirt is on, but it may as well not be. <laughs> Fair enough. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Go on. All right. Monty Python and the meaning of life. And that guy chooses to get chased by those girls off the cliff. Yes. <laughs> Ah, uh, yes. Monty Python does have a plethora of good topless women. Mm-hmm. So you're going with that for your two and three? Well, that's the easy way out. All right. I'll give you the easy way out. I'll give you the easy <laughs> way out. Because there is. Monty Python, to be fair, does have a lot of good, a lot of good. My number one would have to be Embrace the Vampire, which you guys probably haven't seen, but that's uh, Lissa Milano. Dust, Dust Till Dawn. Have oh, some, oh have that's, some, that's, yep. that's the one I was thinking right. about. Yep, that's yep, Dust Till Dawn. I just copped out and did Friday the 13th like a mm-hmm. dumbass. You were almost nope. there. I was the there. I was, it's the same vein. Okay, um, uh, I, I, I subscribe, or I have a subscription to Full Moon Pictures, which is a, um, uh, you guys maybe don't know what it is, but it has a lot of B-movies um, that I love a lot, Roger Corman and um, uh, Charles Band movies. And they also got um, basically the entire catalog of Surrender Cinema, which is a lot of softcore stuff. So take your pick, any Surrender Cinema. It's it literally, it's like the softest core TNA ever. Like you could tell that they wanted to do porn, but then they just slow-mo everything <laughs> and then do a fadeaway before it gets to, like, the serious stuff. Like, I'm sure there's, like, four-hour-long movies of those movies. But, really, you just get, like, the hour-and-a-half-long one. Here's a fucking honorable mention. Go ahead. Pam Greer. Pam Greer's got a nice... Yes. Set yes. of tunes. And was that in Cleopatra Jones, or which one was that in? Um, In White Mama. My mom, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. That, and then, okay, so, 
because I had to look it up and I couldn't remember her damn name. So, or excuse me, I couldn't remember the damn movie. Yep. But um, so her first nude scene, she was twenty-one years old in the Big Dollhouse. The Big Dollhouse. I've seen the Big Dollhouse. You yeah. have to understand that I have a love and an affinity for all things black exploitation. Oh yeah. I, I own the um, Rudy uh, Rudy Moore box set. Mm-hmm. All the Dolomites, Disco Godfather, mm-hmm. The Human Tornado, um, uh, Jim Kelly. Shit. Yeah, and, like, Jim- they don't. They don't. They don't understand how good it really is. And speaking of black exploitation, um, Set It Off was actually supposed to start off as a black exploitation. Oh, really? Yeah, that was one of my favorite movies. Yeah, and it was I, low budget. It was supposed to be a movie, like a low B movie, black exploitation movie. And Homeboy was like, you know what? No, I have all these great actresses, and like Kimberly Lee's finally got like her shining light, even though she dies. Spoiler alert! Like it was so good, and they made they. I think they tripled what they started with. Oh wow! So it was such a good movie. There, okay, so uh, I can't remember which Bruce Lee movie. Um, I think it's Enter the Dragon. Jim mm-hmm. Kelly had a um, had a, a small part in that, and he went on to do a lot of amazing martial arts black exploitation films, mm-hmm. like Hot Potato. If you haven't seen it, it is really good. It's been a and, minute, but I've seen Hot Potato. Yeah, and he's got he's got some great martial arts in that. And there was another one. Um, like car wash something, mm-hmm. and uh, there was one more, and I, I the name escapes me, but I, the, there was a video store. I'm getting way off track here, but there was a video store <laughs> that I went to, and it actually had a cult section, and then right next to the cult section was black exploitation. So, so when I got through, and I literally got through all the cult movies, mm-hmm. and then I went over to the black exploitation films. And that's when I saw like Blackula, Scream, Blackula, Scream, saw mm-hmm. Shaft, saw Blackula Disco is Father. It's like Blackula is everything that people want vampires to be. It's amazing. It's so good. I mean, Dolomite, um, which again, I have the have, have the the Rudy Moore set. I love Dolomite, all things Dolomite. That's probably one of my favorite. It's actually probably one of my favorite in my top ten favorite movies, just because it's so funny. Um, amazing. So, all right, got way off track. All right, now <laughs> we've changed things around uh, with this one. Rather than casting a dream project based upon an event or a book or something like that, we decided to go with something animated and make it live action. Um, and we decided to do it in a different way. We decided that with this particular one, we're going to do kind of a round robin. And the cast that we get is the cast that we land on. And we get full reign, all three of us, to just tear apart each other's picks if we don't like it. So, Smoke the Bear, tell us what we are turning into a movie this this episode. We're going to be attacking Hey Arnold. So, it's going to be you, Smoke the Bear. Pick who's your first person and who did you pick? Uh, I picked Helga's dad, Big Bob Pataki, because 
I don't know. He's always like that's a character that stuck around in my brain. He was he was a dick. All right. He was a dick to everybody. <laughs> but there were these times where he was like super vulnerable and like cared about his daughters or whatever. So Big Bob Padaki, he's a he's a beeper salesman. Mm-hmm. And wears these like polo t-shirts with his khakis and his belts and you know, his like unibrowish Neanderthal <laughs> face. <laughs> the unibrow. The unibrow, yeah. <laughs> well, I went with Nick Offerman. Ooh, I like that. Because why not? Mm-hmm. I mean, his role in Parks and Rec really seal in the visual deal for you. Mm-hmm. And I think him as a human being could just really pull off. Boy, Giorgio, what do you think of her pick? Oh, that's, that's, that's a good one. Yeah, that's, I can't do that one, of course. It's I'm, a good one. I'm getting mad at that. But... <laughs> so for me, I, cho- I chose uh, Eugene Horowitz, that poor little bastard. And, you know, he he's just... He's a he's a lot. He's definitely a lot. But like his voice being so strange and so so almost uncomfortable. I I had to choose Joe Pesci. Oh boy! Just, All right. His voice and just having him look like Eugene in general would just be the funniest thing for me. <laughs> like with his what was it like a like a can where his head looks all. Stupid. Oh yeah. Ah oh, man. Imagine Joe Pesci, redheaded with a can, an opened can as a as a haircut. Hmm. All right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I could see it. I could see it. I have my <laughs> issues with Pesci, but you know, I could see it. Um. Yeah. All right. I mean, he's old now. He's really, really old now. Do you think he's gonna? Dream project. Dream project. All right. All right. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> all right. All right. Okay. Go past you the right age. Right. The right age. Like, I mean, if we can if we can CGI Mark Hamill into the Mandalorian. Okay, so you're gonna you're gonna kind of CGI, you're gonna make him look a little young. All right, I can I can buy that. I I I absolutely allow that kind of shit. All right. So (laughs) I got Helga uh Pataki. And as you know, she's almost uh Tetragonist, you know, she is three things. She's, you know, she's an antagonist. She's a protagonist. She's kind of an anti-hero. I mean, she goes back and forth. I mean, she is the main uh, main antagonist, but she eventually ends up dating Arnold, and she's got the this ridiculous blonde hair and this black unibrow, mm-hmm. and which makes you think she's wearing a wig, and she definitely the way that she's drawn. All right, I'm just going to tell you guys who I picked. I picked Jake Dylan Glazer uh, <laughs> to, to play her. And if you don't know who that is, that's Eddie from the it from the new It movies. Oh the the little boy, the kid that played Eddie, the little boy Eddie in um in Stephen King's chapter uh, it chapters 1 and 2. Yeah. It's got to be that's I mean, it's got to be a boy in a wig. That's mm-hmm. my take. With Helga, um, you know, yeah, I'm going with Jake Dylan Glazer. So I I actually did this thing um, where I was paying like everybody had their picks and I chose like a counter for everybody's like mm-hmm. as a just in case and I chose Bryce Dallas Howard. She was in the Help. 
Yep. And like, I just want her to be just have a unibrow. She's already got the hair color. <laughs> and like for my next character, like you'll you'll see why like my counter was Bryce. All right. Well, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna fight hard for Jake to get this role. <laughs> that's I'm fine. Gonna fight hard for it. <laughs> All right. All right. That's but, fine. But before we get to you, we gotta get back to Smoke the Bear. Who is your second character? Uh, Grandma Gertie, or Pookie, as Grandpa called her. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went with, uh, well, I had two, but I'm choosing between. So the first one was uh, Chorus Leachman. Oh, yeah. My grandma from Beer Fest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, oh, and Young Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah, I love Chorus Leachman. I love Chorus Leachman. Uh, I also was thinking Maggie Smith, I could Professor McGonagall, because okay. visually now, I think that she would fit, but I think that Cloris's attitude and like the way that she acts. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to have to tell you that we're going to have to put the crazy. kibosh. We're going to have to say no to Cloris because Cloris did leave us. I know. So I know it's a dream but project. Only, only last week. I know, but it's still a dream project. We're going to film it tomorrow. We couldn't use her. All right. Well, then, Maggie, it is. Ooh. All right. Maggie's. But I love. It would have been Cloris, though. You know what? And the person who I picked for Grandpa would have gone really, really well for that because I did get Grandpa. But we're going to do Maggie Smith. And I do enjoy Maggie Smith, too. But Cloris Leachman was a fucking national treasure. Let me just say that. She was. She was. Mm hmm. It's very, it's very unfortunate that she passed away. Who's your Gertie? Jennifer Lewis. Jennifer Lewis. Like we have to get, you know, like in the event there were people of color, Jennifer Lewis, like she's outrageous. Yeah. So like she's, 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 she's the, the lady, she's, she's the lady in the bayou from uh, the Princess and the Frog. That's her voice. Gotcha. And she she does a whole bunch of outrageous things. In general, she's a great actress. I think that the right seat. She was awesome in Karina. Karina. One dream project. But I will say, hang on. You're already doing CGI for one character, though. You're already doing one um, for Joe Pesci. So we can't. Am I limited? I'm limited. Yeah. I mean, we got to think about our budget here. We can't do it for everybody. (laughs) I mean, it's not everybody. It's just you know. (laughs) <laughs> All right, anyway. Who did okay. I choose? Oh, okay, so it's my turn. It's your turn. Um, so my other character was Brainy, which is one of like the six people in the whole show that don't have last names. Mm-hmm. Um and Brainy, for people that don't remember, is the one that Helga punches in the face all the time because he's heavy breathing. Um it was a tie between Polly Shore and Andy Dick and like Andy Dick, he 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 would take a punch in the face pretty nicely. Mm-hmm. And since Brainy doesn't have any like um, speaking roles that I can recall, he just breathes heavily. And then I think he might say like two things, but it's like real breathy. I don't think that that does Polly Shore any justice. Mm-hmm. So like, if I if I have to, it's definitely gonna be Andy Dick because just seeing his face and just having. Somebody like anybody punt like back fist him in the face. Oh, so good. Yeah, yeah. You want to see Andy Dick get punched in the face? You really yeah. do. And All the, the fact, time. and the fact that he wouldn't be talking the whole like 
Andy Dick is great with facial expressions. Mm-hmm. So there is something about him that just he is very funny when it's just him making faces and doing goofy shit. So, yeah, I think the fact that we wouldn't have to listen to him and just watch him get punched in the face is perfect. I think Andy Dick is perfect. I really like that. All right. So I have Grandpa, Grandpa Phil Steely. Mm-hmm. And if you remember, he's good natured. He's fun. Uh, you know, he doesn't always have the best piece of advice and he's fucking weird. And I couldn't think of anyone better to play a character like that than Christopher Lloyd. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Christopher uh-huh. Lloyd is totally grandpa. Christopher mm-hmm. Lloyd and Maggie Smith. Yeah, and that was my thing. Maggie Smith and Christopher Lloyd. I would like the, the, the combination of Christopher Lloyd and Cloris Leachman a little more. Oh, yeah. But, <laughs> but I love Maggie Smith, and I think those two could play off each other so well, Maggie Smith and Christopher Lloyd. With McGonagall, since it's like a dream project, you would just have to take all the snippets of, like, like voice she's done in Harry Potter and just, like, <laughs> <laughs> put it as part of her dialogue. <laughs> I, I just noticed something. None of us picked Arnold. No. <laughs> but if I were to choose Arnold, I would make him Childish Gambino. Okay. Yeah. All right. I think he would make a good Arnold. All right. Donald Glover. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Childish Gambino. All right. But then I guess we would have to make Grandpa his dad, Danny Glover. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to cast Danny Glover as Grandpa. I'm not. I no, love Chris. I don't. No, I don't want to. I mean, yeah. yeah. Although, although, no, in our thing, we could make it where he was adopted. He right. Would know, so it doesn't have to. It wouldn't matter. So he could still, could still be Christopher Lloyd. Right. Um, we could just I'm, say that his dad. Yeah, and like he, he gets a quick flashback. Yeah. To Danny. To Danny. <laughs> but it's real yeah. quick. Like Danny's dropping him off. He, says, and he, he just says, I'm getting too old for this shit. And then gets <laughs> Exactly. I'm getting too old for this shit. Drops a baby yeah. off. Yeah. <laughs> gets hit by, by a Buick. <laughs> now, I, I, I'm going to fight my Helga. You're not going to recast Jake Dylan Glazer. And I'm going to tell no, you why. I'm no. Not. It's just, no. You know, I was just pointing out that because I made um, counters for everybody. So. so that's gonna. I mean, I think that's actually a hilarious hodgepodge of characters that we picked, and I think they all would work well together. Which is, I did not expect that to happen. I really thought we we're gonna be like, "Whoa, wait a minute." Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think you know, if we did that Mel Brooks style comedy, um, or even I, I would even equate it maybe even to a um, Wes Anderson comedy. You know, much like uh, Royal Tenenbaums. Or um, Life Aquatic, something very dry and very odd uh, mm-hmm. with a lot of colors. Because, you know, he's really good at si- at setting scenes and colors and um, that type of thing. I-, I could see that working super, super well. Um, we put Tom Green in it. Oh, man. <laughs> you want Tom Green in it? I mean, do? I don't know, but one of the kids, he could be... Oh, wow. Is Tom... You know, I actually... I, I haven't thought about Tom Green in years. I, I um, but I did see him, or well, yeah, kind of seen slash heard him on um, Macaulay Culkin's podcast, Bunny Ears, and he's like really cool now. He like he calmed down a lot. And, he had to, and like he's he well, last I heard of him was like two thousand. Like eleven, he was doing a whole bunch of walking around with in LA, 
and doing a lot of Hollywood walking. But like him and Andy Dick at one point were really close. So, I mean, and Andy Dick is always in Hollywood too. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, you know, and I remember the Tom Green show when that was on and how like now it's now it's regular. I mean, you can just go on any YouTube channel really and see anyone be trying to be Tom Green uh, with all the pranks and all that kind of shit. But when you look at what he did, that was ahead of its time. I mean, he really was almost like a second coming of Andy Kaufman, in my opinion, Tom, Tom Green was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I, and I don't think he ever got truly the credit for that. And that's unfortunate. Because he, like, nobody was there yet. Like, we weren't, we weren't really ready for it. That's exactly it. Just like I don't think the world was ready for Andy Kaufman when he was around, we weren't ready for what Tom Green was doing. And Tom Green saw what was coming. I don't know how he had the insight to see it, um, but he saw it was coming and was like, I'm going to do this. Yeah, so I think a lot of people owe Tom Green in modern day kind of the the snark comedy. Right. He definitely was able to pave the way for a lot of things now. And I don't think enough people pay like homage to him. <laughs> they no. probably don't even realize like that's where it came from. Yeah, because like if you think about just how some people's personalities are now, and like they probably don't even realize that a lot of things that they've been watching has been molded by what they saw. Like I know personally, a lot of my personality is molded with Jim Carrey. That's just sure. I can see that. Yeah, and you and I, yeah, not hanging out. I definitely. Definitely right. see that. And like there's a lot of like silly that Jim Carrey was able to do that like a lot of people weren't ready for. Like he's he's a genius and you know he was he had to do, you know, a couple dicey racy things, but like mm-hmm. that's that's what the times called for. And well, as far as like Tom Green goes, he 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 was like, you know what, I'm a gun it. And yeah. he just did it. Yeah, a lot of people that are built off of his personality. Absolutely. And the thing, too, is, you know, I want to bring up what what Jim Carrey is, because I think for most of us, at least, you know, uh, my generation and age, um, we saw him in In Living Color. Right. Which is fantastic. Like, he nailed it. And, like, that's when he was able to do all of his facial acting, when he could be... When, you, when there's like that skit when he's pretending to be um, Jack Nicholson, Clint yep. Eastwood, and like really seeing his range, you know, and I, I think that, well, and he very often he pays homage to in living color. He's like, you know, if it weren't for the Wayans, like I would not be where I am now. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No, he wouldn't. And honestly, and I think the, I think the, I think the inverse could be said too. I think he also did a lot from the Wayans. I think he, in a way, I mean, the Wayans brought him in, but it was his, it was, you know, um, part of it was Jim Carrey's popularity that made the Wayans a household name as well. I, I, I could, I could, I could see it, but I'm going to disagree just because there are so many of them and they're all equally talented. So like, we also have to factor in that he had, they had the fly girls, they had like all different yes. kinds of other stuff. Like I, I will agree that he's a staple, but I don't think I still think that in living color would be flourishing and well, you know, as as great as it, it would. Was. No, it would have been. I, I don't. 
don't take what I'm saying the wrong way. What I mean is, though, is that, you know, where I came from, let me let me put it this way, and where I came from, and, and living color would have been far more, unfortunately, um, in my neck of the woods, inaccessible. Oh, I understand. Uh, without yeah. Jim Carrey. Yeah. Right? And that's more so what I meant, was not that Jim Carrey was better than the Waynes. It's that through Jim Carrey, the Waynes were able to get places right. that they wouldn't have yeah. been able to. And don't get me wrong, like Damon Wayans and Keenan Ivory Wayans um, are, I'm going to get you, sucker, is one of my favorite movies of all time. I was going to, when we were talking about black exploitation, I was going to bring it up, but I was like, well, it'll, it'll come back around at some point. I know it will. <laughs> yeah, and it, it absolutely would. I'm going to get you, sucker, is genius. That movie is hilarious. Exactly. And, you know, Damon Wayans in, in Lemon Color, you know, um, uh, Homie the Clown. Yeah, right. homie, the clown, and yeah. I will say for me, yeah, homie, don't play that. I still remember the one skit. The kid's like, "I want a telescope," and he goes, "Put a box on your head." Uh-huh. And the kid's like, "Huh?" He's like, "Do you see stars?" No, and then he whacks the box. Yeah. You see stars Mars now? Not <laughs> <laughs> yep, you see stars now. Yep, there's your telescope. Um, and then with in the color though, for me, I, I, you know, for my area, what we all talked about on the playground. Um, after watching In Living Color, was the skits that had Fire Marshal Bill. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those skits mm-hmm. were a lot. Fire, <laughs> Fire yeah. Marshal Bill was... That and, um, what is it? The, fuck. I can't remember what they were, but it's two snaps in a circle formation. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. It's so good. They yes. hated it. Yes. <laughs> hated it. Um, and the thing is, is that when I, you know, he meshed. They all meshed so well there. And with the fly girl, um, Jen- was it was it uh, Rosie Perez? There was Rosie guy? Perez, Jennifer Lopez, Perez. Uh, Lorianne. Give give off what's her name? But Lorianne is like a fantastic choreographer now because yep. she got her start being a fly girl. A fly girl, yeah. And I Lorianne would say. Yep. I I, th- I think people you know go man Jim Carrey would have done so much better on Saturday Night Live and I would argue no so much against that absolutely not just just by just by not the way that Saturday Night Live is written is is for me it it panders in a in a very specific way yeah like it is it is funny but. There, like, there is no way that anybody would have a homie don't play that on Saturday Night Live. No, no. And the thing is, is that that you're exactly right. Like, he would have been, I think, pushed back, especially in the right. 90s. Hell yeah, he would. He would not have the creative freedom no. that he did with that. Like Steve Martin. Steve Martin, absolutely. Saturday Night Live. That's that's where you're at. But not Jim Carrey. Mm-mm. He would have been stifled. No. I don't think he nearly would have been able to figure out or come into his own the way he did in, in Living Color. Yes, he wouldn't have. I, 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 absolutely, because the Waynes, you know, a, a, another thing is, if you haven't watched it as well, is um, Amazon Women, National Lampoon's Amazon Women in the Moon on the Moon. Um, if you haven't seen that, Tommy Davidson had a lot of writing credits on that. Mm-hmm. And his sketches are the best. It really is mm-hmm. like a, just a sketch movie. And it, and Tommy, you know, 
I think Tommy Davidson, I think da- and David Allen Greer also, those two had a lot to do with Amazon Women on the Moon. Yeah. And I and I love David Allen Greer. I love Tommy Paul, Davidson. I love me some Paul Mooney too. And I think they saw what Jim Carrey had and and and, and nurtured it and went, do mm-hmm. it, go all out, man. Yeah. And I think Lauren Michaels and I think Saturday Night Live would have stifled him. Yeah. I think they would have tried to make him more mainstream. And I think that's the cool mm-hmm. thing about it. I mean, color that was great about it was that it was pushing the envelope of what was sketch comedy at the time. Right. And, you know, it had black people, well, which already was like kind of hard for them, but they were like, I, I don't care. This is yes. what I'm going to do. And we're going to, we're going to make it work. And they weren't afraid. They were pushing the envelope. They're like, you know, right. I, I think that I think that idea of them doing safe comedy wouldn't have worked. Right. Then looking color was not safe comedy. No, hell and, no. And and I mean, Fire Marshal Bill. I mean, Homie the Clown. It was all over the top shit, right? Yeah. And you, it, it but if when you look at Amazon Women on the Moon and you look at some of the stuff that that David Allen Greer and the Waynes were writing for movies. It was right for that. Like it was this hilarious shit that was so left. It was like I, I would put it on a on a on a on a, on a, you know, on a level of Monty Python in a way because it was that far left field at the time. Now we think about it and go, okay, whatever. But yeah. at the time, it was one of those things that was just like, what the fuck am I watching? This is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> God, I don't even know how we got to that um, point. <laughs> um, Oh, All right. Uh, let's see. It was Andy Dick. It was Andy Dick. It was Andy Dick. We, we fucking seven degrees of Kevin Bacon. That shit. Yeah, we did. Uh, all right. Well, let's take our last ad break, and uh, then we'll uh, say our goodbyes, do our plugs, and see what we're gonna do next episode. Um, so stay tuned because you're definitely going on. You're definitely going to want to know what's going on next episode. Are you a man with taste for smeat? Are you tired of getting kicked off of atolls for starting fights? Is making decisions something you stopped doing years ago? Have I got a job for you? Join the smokers and drive away with your own pack of smokes today. Paid for by the Council for Go Juice and affiliates of the D's. Uh, we're back, and um, man, we had some weird appetizers this 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 week or this this time. <laughs> so we just got it. You know, it is what it is. So um, you know, we got to make the bill somehow, right, guys? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, uh, all right. Well, I want to thank Smoke the Bear and uh, Boy Gerald uh, for coming in on with us, and um, you know. Again, uh, this is something we do. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna um, try to get two episodes up a month um, for sure. So uh, this will be the first of again season two. A um, little bit different format, different games, different things going on. Uh, again, all this can be found at the JoeDown.blog. Also, um, you know, we do have uh, now the Pod Down um, is the new podcast, by the way. 
So those of you that have been listening through um, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, iTunes, SoundCloud, that one's going to go. The season one episodes will still stay there for prosperity's sake, but they're also going to move over to the new Pod Down SoundCloud. Um, and then all the new episodes of Cast That Movie will be on there, um, along with Rate That Album, uh, the uh, finished Twin Peaks, uh, the Parks and Rec podcast. Um, uh, most things that are related, they're going to be there. Also, every um, be sure if you're not following me, myself, Paul Muadib on Facebook, that you guys do that. I do do a show called The Weird, uh, the and now Weird Infotainment with this damn guy, where I poke fun at news, um, weird stuff that's going on. Um, and, and a supplement to that is going to be an OnlyFans, uh, which is weird sex news. Um, that will be um, $4.99 a month um, if you guys want to follow that. But that's because I get into really vulgar uh, you know, visuals and, and stories relating around uh, sexual news and content with surprise guests. Um, you might even see one of these two on there uh, from time to time um, as that gets rolling off. Do you guys have anything else you want to share that you guys have going on or any other thing that you want to promote? Uh, just people losing the game. <laughs> you lost, bitches. <laughs> For those of y'all who haven't lost in years, here you go. You're welcome. So, in addition to losing the game, I know we're going to lose next week because uh, you, uh, uh, boy, Gerald, picked a, another name, uh, another... Um, movie which was what for mm-hmm. next episode it's called bug and it's awful oh. absolutely awful it's yeah almost two hours worth of awful almost like i almost want to watch i would consider watching previews of Waterworld more than one watch bug. i remember bug and i'm actually real quick i'm going to say a little something about this because i saw this movie because it had uh ashley judd and michael shannon who i both enjoy and i was like wow if they're in this movie it can't be bad and And then and then i watched it (laughs) um to give you guys an idea well we'll talk about it when we get there um but on a particular grading score it is one of 22 films to receive a certain rating. So, you know, we'll, I'll leave that as a teaser. Um, so, okay, Bug. And then for our next animated uh, project, making a live action round table game, Smoke the Bear, what are we doing? We are doing Codename Kids Next Door. Codename Kids Next Door. So we'll do that the same way. We're going to do a hodgepodge. We'll just pick the people. We're not going to... Everyone gets two. And no then communication. We, no <laughs> communication other than that. And then we all meet up. And then we decide yes or no. Uh, we were pretty amicable uh, this episode. But who knows? It could turn into a full-blown podcast fight. Uh, that would be uh, outrageous. Instead of a bloodbath <laughs> podcast... <laughs> A bloodcast? A bloodcast? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, once again, I want to thank my new uh, co-hosts, um, 
boy uh, Georgia did did and smoked the bear. Um, thank you guys so much. Uh, it's wonderful to have you here. I love the dynamic. Um, and uh, we'll see you next. I'll talk to you guys, you know, I'm sure in between the next podcast, but uh, yeah, I got a lot of work to do for Bug. Right. Totally. Oh, God. Especially since Smoke the Bear here has never seen it. Oh, you have to sit through it again? Oh, I, I do. I have to sit through it, and I'm going to bitch. I had to sit through Waterworld twice. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. You know what? I, I'll join you guys. It's been, I haven't seen <laughs> Bug since it went to video. Um, so, yeah, I'll have to watch that one again, too, to get a refresher. Right. Tell the wife, sorry. I mean, like, I don't even, I like, Waterworld, it was nominated for four separate worst oh. things. Razzies, yeah. Razzies. Yeah. Yep. Well, the Razzies, and it only got one. It was so oh. bad they to where they didn't one. even get all four of the worst. They just got one worst Razzie. Yep. That's how bad it was. Well, and if I remember correctly, 1995 Razzies were, um, if you, for people that don't know what the Razzies is, we talked, I think I talked a little bit about this um, in the last season, but the Razzies are like the opposite of the Oscars. Now, you have to understand that in 1995, Showgirls had came out and Jury Duty. Um, so, there, you know, Showgirls won a lot of those Razzies that year. Um, and I would, interestingly enough, the Waterworld Razzie went to Dennis Hopper for worst supporting actor. Sure did. Sure did. Shouldn't have been so punny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, but most of that went to, I mean, worst picture of Showgirls. Um, worst actor actually went to Polly Shore for, Shore for Jury Duty. Um, but worst actress went to Elizabeth Berkeley. Um, you know, it, it was a uh, worst screen couple went to any two combination of people in Showgirls. <laughs> 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 Literally any combination of two people in or body parts in Showgirls. The okay. the the director went to Showgirls. The screenplay went to Showgirls. Worst new star went to Showgirls. Yeah. Yeah, they should have they should have just did it a year later. Yeah, yeah. But I think had Showgirls not been there, Waterworld oh, would yeah. have won. I mean that. it would... they got nominated for Best Sound. It, it did get nominated for Best Sound. They lost um, to Apollo 13, though. Another <laughs> side note, um, an actor that I two actors that I love actually got nominated for Razzies that nineteen ninety five, which was Kyle McLaughlin. For mm. sure, for showgirls and Keanu Reeves for both Johnny Mnemonic and A Walk in the Clouds. Johnny oh, Mnemonic, <laughs> yes, yes, which I actually enjoyed that movie, so you can go to hell. Um, I, that one too. <laughs> I like Keanu, yeah, Keanu can't do anything wrong. No, Keanu can't, can't do anything That's wrong. Not. So, all right, so we got next episode, we got Bug and Codename Kids Next Door. Um, for Smoke the Bear, Sir Georgid, and myself, Paul Muad'Dim, this has been Cast That Movie. <laughs>